Yeah, I think they could use two additions to the 26-man roster position player-wise. Because I, I assume Darren Ruff is gone. I don't factor him in. I assume James McCann is gone. I don't factor him in. Uh, so you're talking about another outfielder. And it could be better than a fourth outfielder. Like, one guy I like, and he's certainly not a fourth outfielder. He's more of a fifth outfielder. And I'm not joking. Is Tim LaCastro. Like, I love adding a really good defender who you can bring in off the bench just to steal a base. I think there's a value to that. You know, late last season, we saw Terrence Gore as a guy just on the roster to come in and steal a base. LeCastro's like that, except he's a little bit better, which means he can actually play once in a while. You can actually have him out there. So adding a fourth outfielder like that, and then, yes, the right-handed DH, uh, you know, which really could be a guy who plays any position. A couple of other names I'll throw at you real quick without getting too deep into each one. Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon could fit this. Trey Mancini can fit this. A guy with a history with Buck Showalter. This guy I'm intrigued with, but I lose all versatility with him, is Julie Gurriel. He's 38 years old. He's going to be 39. He's only one year removed from winning the batting title. And last year during the playoffs, you couldn't get him out. So I think Gurriel has something left, and I would be treating him more as a part-time player. Now, his splits in his career are pretty even. So it's not like he just mashes against lefties and he fits perfectly in a platoon. But I think there may be something left with Gurion. There's another guy who doesn't strike out a lot, doesn't hit that many home runs, so it doesn't really fit kind of the power area, but a damn good hitter. I do love his hair. And he's got great hair. He uh, does. He does. Luke Voigt, I want nothing to do with. Uh, nothing to do with him, but I'm mentioning him. Robbie Grossman, a guy the Braves brought in. He's a switch hitter who does a much better job hitting left-hand pitching. So he would sort of fit that fourth outfielder slash stick him in the lineup against a tough lefty. Brian Anderson, the former Marlin who could play third base, can play the outfield. Chad Pinder, who could play all over the place. Those are some of the other guys. And then you think of a trade. And you say, okay, well, are there bats that would be available in a trade? And so I come with a trade. I come with a trade idea. All right, here we go. What do you got for me? Carlos Carrasco. We've heard the rumblings. We've heard the rumors. Now that the pitching market is starting to be settled, Carrasco's got a lot of value. One-year deal, making about $15 million. There are teams in baseball that are desperate for pitching. There's a team right now. I can see them right now. They won 83 games last year. They need to add pitching. They have all this money to spend, and no one seems to want their money, and they need to put a veteran at the top of their rotation. Carlos Carrasco fits perfectly, and we walk away with the 28-year-old switch hitting 33 home runs a year ago, Anthony Santander. Now, I think the Mets would have to give up a little bit more. I'd probably have to throw in a prospect, Carrasco Plus, to make a deal like that. But you're talking about a guy that's two years away from free agency. He's coming off a 33 home run season, uh, switch hitter, and gives me pop because they need pop. So why not a guy with 33 home runs? I think it would take more than Carlos Carrasco, but a guy like Anthony Santander would be a pretty good fit too. I actually like Santander a lot. I, I don't see them moving him though. Like I know that they're rebuild. They're not rebuilding. I know that they want to bring in some talent. I know they want to spend money. They can't land the free agent, but. 
Uh, I, I can't imagine. I think it would take a little bit more than Carrasco, and so, you might need a nice prospect to return there. But yeah. I, I like that. That's a, that. That would be sweet. We may have the framework, though. Yeah, we may have the framework all created. Uh, w- what's interesting in trying to figure out this lineup and this offense is that how are the New York Mets offensively going to get better from a year ago? That's the common question that people like to ask. Here's what makes me feel good in trying to figure out how this offense can get better. I don't think they have a lot of guys that are coming off of seasons that they can't match. And what I mean by that is, you know, with Aaron Judge, it's easy to say, because it's true, well, there's no way Aaron Judge is going to have that year again because he had a historic season. Something against Aaron Judge, he went out there and had a season that's almost impossible to match. If I look at the Met lineup from a year ago, where, again, they were a top-five offense, facts of the facts, they scored a lot of runs. They were tied for third in the National League. I think they were fifth overall. Who had a season last year that can't be matched again? Pete Alonso? I wouldn't say that. Look at Pete Alonso's numbers. Look at Pete Alonso's numbers throughout his career. Pete Alonso a year ago did not have a career season. He didn't. In fact, a year earlier in 2021, his numbers were very, very similar. Now, the one big difference is RBIs. RBIs are about opportunity. RBIs are about who's on base in front of you. In 2021, in eight less games than last year, Pete Alonso hit three fewer home runs. He had 37. This past season, he had 40. His OPS in 2021 was 863. His OPS this past season was 869. Like, I think it's fair to look at what Pete Alonso gave you in 21 and 22 and say that. That's what Pete Alonso can give me in 2023. Because the best year of Pete's career was his rookie season. That was the year he had 53 home runs and had an OPS over 940. I'm not asking for him to do that. What we'd be asking Pete to do is just do what he did last year. And what he did last year was very similar to what he did the year before. So I want to start there. When you look at who's going to be able to do what they did last year and who's going to be able to be better, let's start with the Mets' best offensive player. Pete Alonzo did not have a career season. And that's a good thing because that means expecting him to do what he did last year again is very much on the table. Now let's get to Lindor. I'd argue Francisco Lindor statistically last year had like the fourth best year of his career. Was he a lot better than the previous season, his first year with the Mets? Absolutely. His average was up 40 points. The OPS was up. He hit more home runs. And again, the RBIs are the number that's really going to look different. But RBIs has a lot to do. Like I said, guys need to be on base. You need to be clutch. I acknowledge that. But you need guys on base. But when I look at Lindor's numbers last year and I see 270, and I see a 788 OPS, and I see 26 home runs, and I see, you know, 98 runs scored, and I see 25 doubles, and I look at the rest of his career, Pete, I'm like, damn, he should be better. That's The the, the God-honest truth is, I look at Lindor's numbers and say, okay, they're fine. I'm not ripping them. But I see seasons like 2019 and 2018 and 2017 in which he was better. So I don't have to look at Lindor's year a year ago and say, wow, we ever going to get that again? We better get that again. No, and you, the thing I remember, too, is 
we're excited as Mets fans for what he did and go, oh my God, I can't believe he put up those numbers because we've never really had great numbers come from a shortstop position. Like that, that, that was record breaking for a shortstop. What that, that, what home runs, I don't right. know, was it RBI, RBI total from shortstop too? Yeah. No, I don't remember. Yeah. So he could put up a, a record year for, for Mets, but our history has never been that, that over the top. So yeah, I mean, I think that he could be better. Same with Alonzo, but there's some other guys that you're about to get to as well that had down years, really down. Years. But that, but that's my point. Like, what always would concern me is if I'm going into a season, because again, we're all talking about, are they as good as they were last year? Right. That's, that's the talking point. Are they better? Well, a part of answering that question is evaluating the guys that are going to come back. Are those guys going to be better or are they going to be worse? And the point I'm trying to make right now is that the two best offensive players for the New York Mets a year ago, the two guys, the Mets were probably overly reliant on, and Alonzo and Lindor are not coming off of career seasons. They had really good seasons, but their track records tell me that those were not the best seasons of their career. So to expect them to do the exact same thing is a reasonable expectation. And by the way, I'm not done yet. Let's get to the batting title, man, Jeff McNeil. Did Jeff McNeil have a career season last year? It's easy off the top to say, well, of course he did, Evan. He had 326. Well, let's put Jeff McNeil's career in perspective. He had and has now been in the major leagues for five seasons. Okay. First year, I know he barely played. He came up midway through the season. Hit 330, by the way. But yeah, only played 63 games. He had one horrific, horrific season. That was 2021. He hit 250. He had a 679 OPS. He sucked. Like, we acknowledge that. But in 2020, in the 52 games he played, and in 2019, the 133 games he played, Jeff McNeil was as good, if not better, than he was last year. Jeff McNeil last year, to go along with his 326 average, hit nine home runs, had an 836 OPS, which is right around his career OPS. In 2020, shortened season, had the exact same OPS. In 2019, his breakout season, he had a 916 OPS and in 23 home runs. So here's my point. If you're agreeing with me that 2021 was an aberration, he's not that bad, the track record of Jeff McNeil says, yeah, he should pretty much do the same thing. May not hit 326. Maybe it's 310. Maybe the home runs go up a little bit, so his slug goes up a little bit. But Jeff McNeil's numbers would tell me that he's pretty much the same baseball player. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And those are the three best hitters that the New York Mets had. Here's the thing with Starling Marte, who had a very solid season when he played. The problem was he didn't play enough. That's the biggest rip on him. He only played 118 games. And by the way, his numbers from last year were down from the previous year. That could be age. It could be the fact he's 33. Or maybe we should just be able to expect that if Starling Marte plays, he's going to put up the same production he gave the Mets a year ago. 
which was a 290 average, which was 16 home runs, which was an 800 OPS. Those are the guys I just talked about, the four stalwarts of the Met lineup. The four guys that you knew would be in the lineup every single day. Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, Starling Marte. Now let's get to Brandon Nimmo, right? Because that's the fifth guy. That's the that's another guy who's a stalwart. Really, there are five when you think about it. Nimmo's a tricky one because his numbers last year were right around his career average. Like he is an 800 OPS guy. He is a 270 batting average guy. He is a 15 home run a year guy. So I think everything Brandon Nimmo gave you last year is right about what you'd expect. Here's the caveat with Nimmo, staying healthy. And we talked about that when we did the Brandon Nimmo edition prior to free agency, that 2022 was the first year where he was really healthy. Every other year he missed a lot of time. And if he misses a lot of time, there's someone else playing center field. And that someone else playing center field is not quite as productive. So that's the question with Nimmo. And look, you could ask that question about anybody. Guys get hurt. It changes all of this. But what I feel good about with this Met lineup is that there's nobody coming off of a career season. And what would worry me about guys coming off career seasons is then I think it's easier to say, oh, man, we really need to improve this lineup because naturally it's going to get worse. Naturally, that guy's not doing this again. Eduardo Escobar sucked until September. Marcana was fine. He was average. Like I mentioned about catcher, it's not possible for the Mets to get less production from catcher than they got a year ago. I'd say the same thing about DH. No matter who they add as a right-handed DH, whether it's someone I want or it's someone Pete wants, to go along with Vogelbach, assuming that's their plan, their production has to be better than a year ago. To go along with Brett Beatty, who will play more, especially if he hits, I do think the Mets have a chance to be a better offense than they were a year ago. And that's with only making a minor addition. Tell me where I'm wrong on this. The only thing is, and I'm not... A lot of people have been criticizing me with my take on the young kids playing more. It's not that I don't want Beatty and Alvarez to see a lot of time. I just see right now that you're right. Escobar, I think, could be a lot better than he was. But ultimately, he could also be a bench player at some point in time if Beatty outplays him. You know, there's a lot of versatility here, but I'd like to stock up a little bit more. I don't trust everybody. We're talking about a lot of health issues, too. Marte, he played usually like, oh, he's in the lineup every day. He really wasn't, though. He played 118 games. He wasn't in the lineup every day. That's a, that, that, that's a decent amount of chunk that he missed. Same thing in the number we worry about health. So I, I feel like we do need to bulk up a little bit. That fourth outfield, I think, is really coming into huge. Like I, the more I dive into it, I can't rely on McNeil in the outfield. We we it, it's a possibility, but I think we have to stay away from that. I think we do do need to add the outfield. Um, I'm not scared of the li- the lineup, but why not just go and push it all the way to stretch it out that much more? And you're not going to take away from Alvarez and Beatty that much. You're just not. No, no, I, 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 but I do think there are two bats to add. Like, I agree yes. with you. I mean, there are two bats to add. They, they may not be superstar bats. They may not be guys on 10-year contracts at $300 million. But let's just say 
Because in Ken Rosenthal's article from a few days ago about Correa, he mentioned specifically Michael Conforto and J.D. Martinez. What if it's those two guys? What if those are the two additions? Conforto comes in to give him outfield depth. And look, if he's the old Michael Conforto, he ends up playing left field. And Mark Hanna becomes a bench player. And J.D. Martinez becomes your predominant D.H. If those are the two offensive additions, Conforto and J.D. Martinez, to go along with everything else we just talked about, this offense is better than it was last year. It's better. It's better. But I still would prefer to change Conforto to somebody else. I, no, that's I a, like I like Michael okay. Castro. Who? My, you're right. I mean, we, we uh, went through some of the names. You want Michael Brantley? Would that make you feel? No, better? no, no, no. The, the, the Castro is not a bad move. I liked it because I like speed. And I, yeah. I, I Nimmo, we don't see it from Nimmo. Robbie Grossman. I mean, there's, there's a lot of options, and I do think it's going to be two bats. Like we, we're going to debate here, and we went through all these different possibilities and names, but I do think they're going to add two bats. Um, and to go along with the guys who are already here. And I'm not trying to be sunshiny and happy here because I understand that it's impossible to project what guys are going to do next season. All I'm trying to do is be fair based on what guys did last year and look at the production that the Mets got and say, okay, is that realistic to happen again? Or is that a career season? Well, the guy has a career season. I'll be the first to tell you, boy, it's going to be tough to expect that again. I don't believe the Mets last year got a career season out of anybody i think some people are going to say that alonzo and lindor you're not gonna get the same out back from i don't agree but i know already people think that Alonzo's overrated and and lindor is not putting but, up those but numbers pete, but pete they may end up being right because again i can't tell the future you can't tell the future but based on pete alonzo's career in the major leagues pete alonzo had a very pete alonzo year last year He's had four seasons in the major leagues, and that was either his second best or third best of the four. So there's no track record to say, oh, that was a career season. Look at the numbers. The numbers are the numbers. Same thing with Lindor, unless you just think he, he's just not as good anymore, unless you think he's just declining in his 20s. But based on what they've done, their resumes, they did not have career seasons. It's not even a debate. They did not have career seasons last year. I've, I said this already once before. I think that Pete Alonso could have a, a year where he had 60 home runs. I mean, I think it's possible. He's He's got that power. He's that He could be in a groove. He could do it. Listen, he broke the record for, for home runs as a rookie. If that's happened, he could, e- he could easily go on a tear. And you know so, what's yeah. crazy about that, by the way? What's funny about the whole Pete Alonso thing? Last year, Pete Alonso batted cleanup basically 98% of the season. He batted fourth 150 times, and he had 40 home runs. Do you remember who was protecting him most of the season? Uh, it was Lindor. Bat- oh, was it McC- not McCann? Was it no. McCann? No. No, no. They would never Wasn't do the- such a thing. It was, I'm trying. It wasn't a good compliment. That's all I remember. Because McNeil so, was like been sixth. I, I I'll give you the answer, man. There were three guys that came very close to each other in terms of the leaders in batting fifth in protecting Pete Alonso. The guy who finished third was Daniel Vogelbach. He was doing it a lot after the Mets traded for him. So obviously Vogelbach was one. He did it 34 times. Jeff McNeil did it 39 times. But the guy who did it the most was Eduardo Escobar, who did it 41 times. But Mark Canna did it 18 times. Darren Ruff 
did it 11 times. Tyler Naquin did it four times. Luis Guillerme did it a few times. So to your point about, and I, and I am a believer in protection. So for anyone listening who says, ah, batting protection, that doesn't mean anything. It's overrated, blah, 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 blah. Look, we disagree. What could I tell you? I do think that a guy who led the league in intentional walks, that's Pete Alonzo, would have fewer intentional walks if he had a really good guy behind him. I mean, that's just, that's just logic. You know what as, I mean? As, as Steve Summers says about Trojans, you don't root for them, you wear them. You need protection. That's why J.D. Martinez makes the most, makes a ton of sense. Yes. Listen, I'm not against J.D. Martinez. I just laid out my reasons why there were other options. But hopefully this was informative. Hopefully this helped. And hopefully Billy Epler is listening. Uh, But I am confident they're going to make a move for a bat. So I don't think anyone should be alarmed by that. It may take a while. I mean, it is only mid-December and a lot of the offseason has occurred. Billy Epler said it. All the heavy lifting is done. It doesn't mean the lifting is done completely. And we'll spend a lot more time on the other aspects of this roster. They can still improve including the bullpen. And finally, I promise you, this Sunday night, it will be posted. So Monday morning, it'll be in your download inbox, wherever you download podcasts. The long-awaited losing a favorite player, losing a legend edition of Rico Bronia. I have gotten tons of emails about it. I'm sifting through them to give everybody a voice and their stories concerning the legendary or non-legendary Met that they were devastated to lose. That will be coming up finally and posted Sunday night into Monday morning. I can promise you that. Uh, you can always email the pod at the Rico B at gmail.com at the Rico B at gmail.com. We will try to get back to everybody, including reading some of the emails on the air the next couple of weeks as we continue through this wonderful off season. Uh, and of course, you could tweet us at Evan Roberts WFAN at Pete Hoffman W at the Hoff WFAN. There That's you go, nailed it. And of course, you can listen to Pete with Tiki and Tierney, and me with Craig two o'clock during the week on the fan. We appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.